MNK Talk YA now presents Red Rising, Part 1 by Pierce Brown. Talk YA. I'm Marissa Snyder. And I'm Katie Bradford. And this is our Young Adult Fiction Podcast. And we're starting our third series today. I can't believe we're already on our third series. I can't believe it either. Oh my goodness. It's The second one went really fast. I think that's it what did. it was. And I think it was easier because we had done one before or something. Like it just flowed nice. Yeah. We were like more into a routine at that point, I think. And also it was a trilogy, not a quadrology with a bunch of short stories, so... That's I mean, true. it was just like a shorter series to begin with, but... Also, we kind of had a little bit of a clue of how to, like, work our technology. Yeah. <laughs> finally. I'm not going to say we mastered it, because that will jinx us, but we finally got it to the point where it's working, and we're happy with it. <laughs> it's not so hard anymore. Yeah. And I'm really excited about this new series. Okay, so here's... But, okay. I know <laughs> you had told me before that you had started reading it, like, a long, not a long time ago, but a while ago and didn't like it. So I actually like was hesitant to read it at first because I was like, oh, Marissa started it and didn't really like it. So I'm glad that you're enjoying it this time, but I what really changed am. for you? Okay. I figured out what changed for me and that I feel really silly. So you know how I love book dedications? Yeah. So I was reading the book dedication the first time I picked it up and there was like a section by the author in the acknowledgments. And at the end, he said to the reader, thank you, I hope you bloody damn love these books, which is a perfectly fine thing to say. But when I first (laughs) read it, for some reason in my mind, I thought he said to the readers, you're going to bloody damn love these books. And the (laughs) the contrarian in me was like, don't tell me what to do. (laughs) That's so presumptuous. And it, it irritated me. And it set me up. I was like determined to hate the book just because of that stu- like one sentence. It just like struck so me as funny. like that's so arrogant that you would presume that I'm going to love these books. And then I reread <laughs> it and I was like, oh no, that's not what he was saying at all. These are bloody <laughs> damn brilliant. <laughs> oh, that is hilarious. Especially because I feel like I don't even really pay attention to those pages yeah I just felt so silly because and then I started um reading interviews with the author and the more interviews that I read about him the more I really liked him and so I felt really foolish that I like allowed myself to be influenced by something that wasn't even true I um I just started looking at some of the interviews with the author yesterday a little bit and I think I looked at some um before but I found this funny one where it's just like he's like the hottest young adult author oh. around. Like, this lady was, like, freaking out about it, and it was kind of funny. <laughs> that is kind of funny. I mean, his picture is on the back of my yeah. book, at least. But that's funny that she's, like, Googling him funny. on the back of his book. Let's focus more on his writing, because his writing is very... It's very... Um, it's good. It really is. And I liked, um, like, his story about how he uh, came up with the idea. Did you read anything about that? I feel like I did now, but I'm forgetting what it was to t- share. It was, um, so he wrote 
six books and he had all six books rejected before he wrote Red Rising. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, first of all, that is just like, I really admire that because it's so easy to just give up halfway through or, you know, get rejected a couple times and give up. But he kept going. And I guess after his sixth book was rejected, he was about to give up on his dream of becoming a writer. And yeah, he had this moment where he was like, okay, I need to stop chasing this dream. I need to grow up, whatever, get a, a, an adult job. And his words, not mine. (laughs) And then he went on a mountain climbing trip with some of his friends in the Cascade Range in Washington. And when they were hiking, he was thinking about the Greek tragedy Antigone. Mm -hmm. And in that uh, tragedy, there's a sister who um, buries her brother. Her brother's uh, killed and she buries him in defiance of an order that basically the king denies him the dignity of Her other brother. Yes, there's two brothers. I read a little bit about Antigone, too. It's kind of an interesting story. It is. Yeah. I actually, now that you're telling me this, I do remember, because I looked at Antigone and I was wondering why. <laughs> That's why. <laughs> That's why, yeah. There's, like, a lot of parallels between it, but he had this idea in his mind of this sister who buries her brother against um, the orders of the king, and then when he was climbing, he said he was also thinking, he was wishing that there was less gravity on Earth to make the hike a little bit easier, And then, like, those two kind of joined, and he was inspired to write a story that was set on Mars. Oh, my goodness. That's so cool. I love, like, I just want to, like, go climb things and get brilliant ideas like that. Oh, yeah. I was like, his brain must be such an interesting place. Because, like, who is climbing mountains and, like, thinking about the Greek tragedy Antigone and, like... It just happens to come to mind. Yeah, Yeah. I love it. It really, um, I really liked that story about how he um, hit upon it. And I love that... He didn't give up. Like, he didn't give up on his dream of becoming a writer, even though he had so much rejection. He stuck with it. And, like, I don't know. I think that I really Yeah, I, I respect that, that a lot, yeah. too. He didn't just get lucky. Like, he worked really hard and whatnot. And it, it I mean, like, it's a good story. The, we talked about world building a lot before. There's a lot of great world building. Oh, my gosh. And even the first, like, 30 pages or whatever that happened underground. Yeah. I guess I I kind of wanted a little bit more of that. Um, I thought the book moved really fast, which made it... it, It's really entertaining, but it's also... Mm -hmm. um, I kind of wish we would have seen more of Daryl with EO and his family. And I mean... it, it you I understand why he did it like he I think it, on, but... I think it hits more I think I feel like the loss too because we didn't get more of it uh-huh. like I feel like it got cut short or you know like I think it kind of contributes to kind of relating to how Darrow feels about his relationship with her oh how did you say her name how do you say her name um Eo e- Eo okay I'm just checking I can never pronounce anything else, you know? <laughs> that's how I pronounce it so, but- Speaking of the author and inspiration, mm-hmm. this wasn't actually his inspiration, but I was reading or watching a YouTube video about the first story he ever wrote. Oh, what was that? And he said in fifth grade, he remembers having an assignment where he was supposed to create a new god. <laughs> and so he wrote 11 pages about a god he named Virtuoso, who was a cybernetic god who found out that Zeus was actually a computer. Oh my god. Doesn't that sound like something you'd read? Absolutely. (laughs) Oh man. I know. Well, maybe now some of his other stories will be published now that he has... Or maybe he went back and was like, no, these are... I don't like these, but... I know, but I kind of want to read them anyways. Yeah, I know. Well, and... um, So this is a trilogy, not a quadrology, but it sounds like he's working on a 
second trilogy that takes place like in the same world with a few of the same characters, but like a decade later or something. I know. I read um, with that the first too. one coming out in 2018. So maybe we can do a second round of once they're all out. Yeah, I know. It's kind of a bummer that I mean, it's not but it makes me sad that we have to wait for all the books in the series to be released before we can read them because there's so many books out that are like partially or so many series out that are partially complete that I really want to read but I'm like holding myself back because I know we can't read them yet well that's our own arbitrary rule we could always change it ah yeah but like I like getting the complete series like beginning to end I do too and then we'd have to reread them before yeah. so that we'd be ready when the third one comes out or whatever. Yeah. Okay, the other thing I read about the author that made me love him even more was um, in the interview, the guy who was interviewing viewing him said, um, just tell me one random fact about yourself that's not related to anything. And his response was that he cried to Taylor Swift's Back to December. And I love that. I think I saw that too, actually. That's that's awesome. I love that he shared that. And it made me love him ten times more. So he's a Swifty, apparently. I approve. (laughs) Obviously. So now that I, like, have this background of the author, I'm really enjoying the book so much more. (laughs) Well, you bloody damn should. (laughs) Or else. I also love that he's, like, coming up with his own language, kind of. Yeah, like his own slang words and like yeah. insults and stuff. Mm-hmm. It really does contribute to the world building a lot. I also, I think it, it's kind of interesting. It There are parts of this that remind me of both the Lunar Chronicles and um, the Young Elites. So the, the Lunar Chronicles, and they were talking about kind of the last 700 years or whatever, and these people went to the moon because it was easier to mm-hmm. like conquer space from there. And then there ended up being this like earth versus moon conflict. It, it kind of felt like to me, and it seems like people have genetically changed oh, too yeah, into these the multiple different, you know, color mm-hmm. groups. Um, at least I assume some of that was natural genetics, but maybe some of it was forced. I, I guess we don't know the whole story there, but, um, it's uh, it just kind of reminded me of the. I was like, this could be what happened if like Lavana stayed queen and <laughs> you give her like seven hundred years or whatever. Um, it also reminded me a lot of the Hunger Games. Yeah, there were a lot of you know like the genetic modifications when they go to um, meet Mickey the Carver and how he like put wings on his slaves just for the fun of it mm-hmm. and yeah. Well, and even the. I mean, where where we left them right now feels very Hunger Games as there is a little oh, bit more yeah. of the teamwork aspect, but and I guess they're not nece- they're not necessarily trying to kill each other, but it does have this kind of like brutal kids game aspect to it. And they did and they did kill each other. Yeah, and they're fighting each other instead yeah. of fighting the enemy. Yeah, that's interesting to see all the different ways the society has like so many strict rules about everything. So you know, down in. The under what do they call where he lived the underground or something his Mars oh. home was I forget the, what they called it but mm-hmm. um you know how he even was saying they're pitting us against each other like even though like we hate the people who win every the laurel every month or whatever even though it's not it's just yeah. the society that's doing it and then um, when they were even talking about like golds and how they have to have like natural births and they try to like kill off a certain amount of the population before they're one year old to mimic natural selection and stuff. Like, it's just, it's kind of interesting mm-hmm. in some ways. I almost feel like if he's going to realize that society's the problem, not golds or something. 
Yeah, because and it is kind of odd that when he's at the Institute now and they're setting up these games to kind of mimic mm-hmm. what's been done in the colonies. Because like you said, they um, they hate, the Lambdas hate the Gammas, even though they're not the real enemy. It's just those are the people who are easiest to hate. You see their kids eating better you know, than your kids next to yeah. you. Yeah. And so, and, and also how they set it up where the object of the game was to make slaves of the other houses, mm-hmm. which mimics exactly what they did with yep. the colors. And, and they're all fighting amongst each other now instead of like uniting and trying to, you know, rebel from within, which is the well, whole point. Yeah. And it is interesting because I forget who was saying it. Um, but they were talking about how the whole point of this process is to mimic what the golds went through initially with creating society and it like I see like that makes sense it also it reminded me of um do you remember that study that was or like some school teacher or something was teaching her class about racism and just like started arbitrarily saying like if you have brown eyes you're smarter than people with blue eyes and like and then like the kids started or like kind of learned about racism that way that it was just kind of an arbitrary thing but they started to kind of internalize that it kind of that kind of is how it feels too a little bit with the the slavery you know all these people were golds top echelon of society but now that it's just the golds and they have this new motive they're creating the slaves and even trying to like have the pinks or whatever you know like they're making their own hierarchy yeah yeah so they're the thing the other thing about this book is that there's in the world building is great but there's so much thrown at you at once that it was really hard for me to like put together uh, the hierarchy of colors because there were just yeah. so many colors. So I wrote them all down actually. Okay, can you review them? Because I don't remember them all either. Yeah. Okay, so there are high colors, mid colors, and low colors. And then within each color, there's like levels within the color. There's a hierarchy within each color. So for the high colors, there's golds who are the rulers, there's silvers who are the financers. Whites are the clergy and priests. Coppers are administrators, lawyers, and bureaucrats. Wait, what color was that one? And uh, Copper. Copper. Oh, sorry. And yeah. then the mid-colors are blues, who navigate ships. Um, yellows are doctors and scientists. Greens are programmers and developers. Violets are the creative class of like artists and musicians. <clears throat> the oranges are mechanics. The grays are law enforcement, security, and military. And then for the low colors, the browns are servants. The obsidians are like a race of monsters who are bred for war. They sound really interesting. I hope we learn more about Mm them. The pinks are the pleasure slaves. And the reds are unskilled laborers. But then like within the golds, there are pixies and bronzes bronzes well and even within the reds there's like the people who are underground and the people who are above ground yeah there's like low reds and high high res reds so it's a very (laughs) interesting kind of casting system (laughs) yes oh my gosh it's very very complex but i kind of i don't know i kind of like that um oh you know what else so i took a quiz to see what color i was oh yeah you sent it to me i did i did it as well what did you get I got yellow, expert in human and natural sciences. I got yellow too. Oh man. It's, here's the, de- part of the description says bookish and introspective. <laughs> so that's probably <laughs> why. 
It said they are typically found congregating around the university districts of Venus and Luna. Oh man, Luna. <laughs> oh my gosh, we're in the same color. That's so we can still be friends. We can still talk. We can work together. Yeah. See, I thought you might have been a green because those are programmers and developers. I know. Well, I'm, I was not very good at it. I got no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I think I actually um, I took it. I think when you first sent it to me too, but then I forgot where it was. And I think I got something that said I was like a warrior, but I think I took it right after I had done something else where I was like really competitive. Like I just played a game or something and I was feeling really competitive and then I took it and it was something darker. (laughs) You're like filled with a a testosterone. (laughs) Did you get an obsidian? (laughs) No, I don't think, I don't remember what color it was now, but I just remember it said something about like, like, likes, like easy to, I don't remember, it was something about war and I was like, hmm. But I forgot until... <laughs> That's not really me, but okay. <laughs> this one feels more uh, appropriate. <laughs> I also, again, going back to what you said, it's kind of a lot at once and it's almost hard to sort out. I feel like that also kind of mimics what um, Darrow's going through right now because I feel like, you know, he had his own view and version of the world that he... He didn't necessarily think it was all good and right, but he believed some basic lies that he was told. And now he realizes, like everything's changed for him and he's being exposed to all this stuff and having to fit into this completely different world. Yeah. Because at the beginning, I mean, when you see him in his colony with, with his wife, Eo, he seems maybe not content, but he seems kind of more able to accept his situation. Yeah. Like for him, it's important that he has a nice, he has a loving wife. He has a good family. Um, he has, you know, it seems like that is enough for him. Yeah. Uh, Because he says, what, like, better to live on your knees than die on your feet. Yep. Whereas his wife, Eo, is more of a rebel who is trying to convince him that he has what it takes to be the voice of the people and to kind of, like, lead them out of their situation. And that was kind of interesting to me. I feel like I want to get more of her her backstory, though. Like, it seems kind of crazy that she... A, saw all this for him when he doesn't really seem inclined that way at all at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And B, like, did she know about the Sons of Aries? Or, I mean, you know, like, how like how intentional was her rebellion? How does she know so much more? And why didn't she talk? Like, it just seemed like kind of, whoa, all of a sudden. Yeah. So the one thing we do see is when Darrow is a Helldiver, we see that he's willing to take risks to to Mm -hmm. um like improve the lot of his people yeah and so i think she saw that and knew that he could use that ability to take risks on a larger scale and i think she did what she did because she knew as long as she was alive he would never do that because he would always want to keep his head down to protect her and kind of build this life together and so i think she did it knowing that she would be um, kind of the spark that he needed. Her death, unfortunately, would be like the spark he needed to, you know, develop that that voice and use use that bravery to like a higher purpose. So do you think she knew that, you know, the world, like, do you think she had any clue of how big it was? Or do you think she was also kind of limited in her thinking and just thinking like there? Because at first I thought it was going to be like them rebelling against the system underground that they were, you know, I didn't, I didn't realize either how big of an issue it was necessarily. Do you think she had any idea that it was bigger than their mind? You know what I mean? Like I don't know. That's a good question. I don't know how she could have though, because they were so isolated down there. 
But I think she did have a better idea of how the system works because remember, like, Daryl was so convinced they were going to get the laurel, and you could yeah. tell she knew that they weren't. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because, again, they're only 16. I, that's the, I know. I always forget that they are so young because I think, I don't know, maybe because they're already married and, like, they live underground, so their lifespan's a lot shorter. So, but yeah, they're 16 years old. Well, and that was also funny when he was noticing, you know, when he first came up and he saw that gold being chased by a bunch of girls and he was like, he looked about, or they looked about my age, but they seemed so much younger. It, they really did, like, that's probably going to be an advantage for him that he's mm-hmm. had, like, a real and a hard life. Yeah. Or even when he, um, just now when he sent the, like, apology note or whatever, and he said, like, <laughs> um, oh, where is He this? was like, only a husband could. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I did something only a husband knows how to do. Apologize to a woman or something. <laughs> yeah, because, like, the other golds, I mean, they seem so foolish compared next to him. Just because of how they, like, the way they've lived their entire lives, it makes them seem so foolish and so soft next to Darrow. Like, I think it was Julian who was upset that Servo um, insulted his family in his way of, like, dealing with it once he like took off his glove and threw it at him <laughs> it was just like oh my god what are you doing like... <laughs> yeah but it also is funny because as much as he has like the anger and kind of a adult view of the world compared to them they're also the ones who've been trained in like fighting and have kind of like, I think he has a different level of kindness than them too like they have a different ruthlessness sort of in some ways or at least some of them do. Yeah, like Titus and um, what's the other guy's name? Vexus. Like they seem like they are oh, born but, yeah. killer. Is did I get that name right? I got Se- it's Severo, not Servo. <laughs> Severo. <laughs> Sorry, I'm still learning. I need to like have a cheat sheet when I, I talk about people because I. It's also I, I don't know if we've already talked about this, but I love this quote I heard the a while ago that was like. Don't laugh at someone if they mispronounce something. It means they learned it from reading. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You did mention that. And I'm like, I need... That's like my life because I don't know how to say anything out loud. I know. I, I mean, either. Okay, Vixus. Vixus and Titus are like... They, they seemed like they were um, the only people who weren't affected really by the passage, which is when they paired students against each other and said only one can come out. Yeah. Although I also got the impression that Cassius wasn't necessarily affected by his it was just the fact that Julian didn't come out that affected him does that mm-hmm. make sense like I don't I kind of felt like killing the other student wasn't what affected him it was you know not knowing who killed his brother yeah I think you're right um and I'm so sad because I I liked I liked Julian I'm I'm sad that we don't get to see more of him I know but it also is really good like when that secret comes out oh boy oh my gosh and yeah, the whole idea of the institution as, like, trying to call out the best of the golds, it's so brutal, and it, it it's so weird because it doesn't seem to fit with how luxurious the golds' life, lives are, you know? It, well, that's, that's why I thought it was also interesting when they pointed out, like, we don't give any, you know, pain relief when people are giving birth as golds or what, you know, like, that's true. I think they are... And they're supposed to have so much self-control. Remember mm-hmm. when he was talking about, like, you have to leave 20% of your fish or whatever to prove that you are in control mm-hmm. of your appetite. Like, I think they 
that's what I'm saying. Like society is kind of forcing everyone into a bucket. So in some ways they have a lot of, you know, advantages or luxuries that the Reds don't, but they're not exactly like free or whatever either. It doesn't seem like. No. And it, it also, it almost seems like when they're young, cause I mean, the other gold children who are children, young adults who are um, accepted to the university. I mean, I think maybe they did lead kind of pampered lives up until then, but then I think the university is meant to transform them into people who are capable of being really ruthless leaders. And so I kind of like that, that the people, what, the peerless sacred, like the highest tier of golds, are, they're tough warriors. Like, they're not these soft, pampered princes. They're, they're brutal, and they're, like, they're not, they're very tough. Well, and it's interesting, because don't they call them the scarred or whatever? It's like... Oh, was that what they were called? It makes, the peerless it makes scarred? sense that they're... I think, or maybe I just put it that way. <laughs> they probably have a bunch of names, but yeah. there was something about being scarred. Like, if you want to be scarred or, like, if the unscarred, like, still have some respect, but they have to earn their scar or something. There was something about that at some point. Um, yes. because yes, they all and, have those big scars on their faces. Yeah. I really want to find it now. Don't I? <laughs> <laughs> Peerless scarred. For <laughs> the Peerless sacred. <laughs> Close enough. But, uh, but what's it when you like? If it has all the same letters and it starts with the same first and dyslexia. last. Dyslexia. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. No, I'm just thinking of like people who love this book who may be reading and they're like, "Oh my god, what are these girls doing? They're butchering this book." <laughs> I'm sorry, we're trying. There's a lot thrown at us. There is a lot thrown at us. <laughs> okay, the peerless oh, guard. Um. Yes, and I think that the other thing that kind of was a, a bit of a bummer was, so Daryl was essentially a slave down in the mines, and I feel like he's just exchanged one form of slavery for another. Well, also, like, you know, he's already kind of fighting back. I'm curious what the Sons of Aries, like, it, if his loyalty will stay to the Sons of Aries or not, too, because they see, you know, he's already kind of rebelling against the idea that I'm not your tool or I'm not your weapon. Mm -hmm. But right now, they kind of align as far as kind of what they want to accomplish, or at least he thinks they want what his wife wanted, so therefore he'll, you know, kind of pursue it. But he's also, I think, starting to kind of make friends with some golds, and I think that could change it. Like, I don't think he's going to, like, love golds and defend them or anything, but I think... You know, if he gets to know Cassius better or Roke better or whoever, mm-hmm. Leah that went. he... Well, he says that even at the beginning when he meets Julian. He's like, I know he's a gold and I'm supposed to hate him, but I can't bring myself to. And that's, I mean, that's one thing I really do like about Darrow. Like, he has, even though he's been through so much, he still has this humanity to him where he's yeah. very, very upset when he has to kill Julian and it really affects him deeply. And, I mean, he has, like, very human reactions, too. Like, he doubts himself when they tell him this, their plan to turn him into a gold. I mean... Well, they also tell him, like, we failed 97 times oh or something. Oh, my God, I know. And the whole process of, like, physically transforming him into a gold, it just seems so physically... Like, I know it's a sci-fi book, but I was just like, how is this even possible? Well, and every single step was so... You know, he had to, like make his bones six times stronger, just recreate all of his muscle, like, everything. Yeah, and, and I thought it was sad, too, at the end when he was, like, 
they've turned me into someone who EO wouldn't recognize and would she would be disgusted by me right now. But part of me thinks he maybe didn't know her as well as he thinks he did. His wife? Yeah. I don't know. I feel like, what do you think she told her sister? Oh, that's a good question. I don't know. I kind of hope that we get to, like, I don't know how. Like, I want to find out that she's somehow related to Sons of Aries more officially, but maybe she wasn't. But if they were able to get that broadcast and push it out, like, because it almost seemed like she was almost warning him that same night when they got caught. I don't, I don't know. Oh, yeah. Also, I'm curious a little bit more about his uncle. Like, if his uncle's going to... Oh, yeah. If he'll make an appearance again. Yeah. Yeah, I think it is interesting how the whole thing with, like, his dad and then his uncle, that whole relationship, I wasn't... I wanted to kind of hear more about that. And I wonder if we'll get more in flashbacks or if he'll go back to the mine at some point. I will have to. Well, I don't know. I mean... I don't know how this rebellion is going to end or how him being a spy is going to end, but eventually if it succeeds, we'll have to go back and, you know, I'm really nervous about him being with all these, in the middle of all these goals, so I'm so nervous they're going to discover who he really is. Well, two things. One, even if they don't discover who he really is, I'm nervous for him because it sounds like he could get killed at any minute. Straight up killed anyways. But yeah, especially if they figure out who he is. And if they figure out who he is, they'd probably just kill him because... To make him a martyr, to make it known would hurt the cause, you know, like would disrupt society if anyone ever found out that a red got into the That's true, that's true. What do you think of, um, Fitchner? Fitch? The teacher? They're like, yeah, they're like sponsor person or whatever. Um, I don't really know enough about him yet. I think it's kind of sick that he just kind of hovers above them. I mean, I, I like that there's the whole reference to the Greek gods, like there's 12 houses and that represent each of the 12 Greek gods. And that they call where the proctors sit Mount Olympus, and they're just kind of hovering over them, watching them. But it reminded me of the Hunger Games again. Yeah, like the game makers. Yep. But it's so sick how they are just not interfering at all. And when they complain about them, oh man, like, when they put that lady in the grass and then oh like gosh. cried rape and stuff. Oh my goodness, that was. I know, and he and they were like they're treating the golds like pinks. It's not fair. And he was like, well, if they're doing that, it's because they just don't deserve any better. It's so brutal. And even, I mean, and you're seeing them at, like, Civil War on the Mars house right now. Mm-hmm. And that's without even knowing, like, right now Cassius and Dara are kind of aligned. What happens if, not if he finds out he's red, but if he finds out he killed Julian? Uh, that is going to happen. Like, that has to happen. I guess it, the question is when. when? I like, it'll depend on, I almost want it to happen sooner rather than later because I'm getting nervous <laughs> the closer they get. I know. And now he thinks Titus did it. Yeah, which maybe is good, but I don't know. I don't know. I don't like Titus at all. But part of me is like, if you're having this much strife within your own house, how the hell are you going to get any other... But I guess that's kind of the point. And I wonder, like, I wonder what the other houses are doing. Because I looked up... So so Daryl was elected into House Ares. And I'm just curious to see if the other houses... No, House Mars. Oh, yes. House Mars. Sons of Ares, House of Mars. I also... I looked up the different... I looked up some things about Mars versus Ares, which I can Oh, share yeah. Tell me about that. Well, I didn't really look up that much. Basically, they're both the god of war, but um, Ares is known for being a ruthless killer, whereas Mars was known to give mercy to people who deserved it, like the noblemen. Oh. I thought that was kind of an interesting thing when you think about how like Mars is the society version that honors the golds versus Ares is what the rebels use to call themselves. Yeah. Or call themselves. 
That's a good distinction. Because, like, and I also read about Ares that um, he represents the physical violence and untamed aspect of war, whereas his sister Athena, she represents um, military strategy. <laughs> I actually saw Wonder Woman last night. <laughs> oh, yeah? I haven't seen it yet. It's really good. But the the enemy that she's fighting is Ares. And, oh, really? Yeah, and so I was, like, thinking about this last night when I was watching the movie. Yeah, it's really good. You should totally see it. But I, I do like how the Sons of Ares keep stressing that they are trying to fix society from within, and they're not terrorists. They were like, that's the last thing we want to be. Well, that's what Dancer is stressing. I'm kind of, like, I feel like Harmony is different, and, I'm like, it doesn't feel like they're all on the same side. And then what's the name of the guy who, the, um, when I was teaching him how to dance and stuff? Mateo. The pig? Mateo was it? Wasn't he the one who was, like, questioning his background still? Like, he didn't even trust that Dancer had told him the truth. Oh, yeah, because he was such a good dancer. <laughs> yeah. But I'm kind of, like, I kind of feel like they're not all on the same page. Like, Dancer's kind of the leader and saying that that's what they stand for. Mm-hmm. But I don't even, I don't know how actually organized and loyal they all are to that. Because it kind of sounds like even with what they did with him, that they're trying to motivate people by whatever they can to just get them kind of on the same page. But with all these different motivations... Yeah, and, and even um, I think Daryl was the one who reflected on the fact that, like, Mateo is Dancer's ally, but he's not his friend. Yeah, exactly. And I don't even feel like they all know each other. You know, it just kind of feels so secretive and spread out. Like, I'm, I want to know who Ares is. <laughs> do you, like, do you think it's Dancer? Because Daryl seems to think it's Dancer, and Dancer's just pretending. I have no idea who Ares is. I thought it was interesting. But doesn't he, doesn't he like, kind of keep a cute, like, trying to trick him into saying, oh, yeah, I am. Yeah. But every time he's like, no, oh, sorry. I'm not Ares. <laughs> I did learn that um, in Greek mythology, Harmonia is Ares' daughter. Oh. And so I thought it was interesting that we have a character named Harmony, who's, like, part of the sons of Ares. Yeah, that is cool. Um, yeah, I, I really, I want, I want to learn more about Dancer and Harmony and all and those people, because I feel like we didn't get really enough of them. Yeah, and I'm sure we'll see them again. Like, I wonder when they're going to, like, touch base with him again. Well, I also like how they created Darrow into this god. Like, essentially, they, they, wanna make him in, they wanted to make him into a god. Um, mm-hmm. And I liked how, um, you know, at the beginning, Mickey was kind of calling him, like, oh, you're one of my children. Like, I created you. And then after he was complete, he and, and he, after he was fully strengthened and enhanced, he started to fear him and so I'm kind of curious to see if the same thing happens with you know Dancer and Harmony like if Darrow starts to rebel against them and they start to lose control of their creation and he does seem to like kind of stubborn and think for himself which is part of what they like about him like they talk about um the paradigm shift shifts and how he's good at extrapolational thinking extrapolation oh yeah like when they're testing him and did I tell you I looked up some, I was looking up some more puzzles, like the ones he has. Oh, like, um, what are those things called? Uh, like a lateral thinking puzzle? Yep. Like the mental test. So, you know, there one of them was um, like the fish question. Like if a fish has 3,000 scales on the left and 3,000 scales on the right, which side has the most scales? And the answer is the outside. Oh, yeah. Or like when he was um, picking the uh, lamb card and oh, he, he ate it or whatever. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so I I found some more. Let me. Oh, ask give give me them, and I'll see if I can answer them. I'll okay. See if I can be as smart. I haven't read them all. I just Darryl. pulled up a list, so we'll see how this goes. 
I'm only a yellow, so, <clears throat> you know, go easy. Okay, this one is called The Deadly Dish. Two men walk into a restaurant. They both order the same dish from the menu. After they tasted it, one of the men went outside the restaurant and shot himself. Why? Ooh, this is such a... I love riddles like this. Um, maybe because the... <laughs> Did they taste it at the same time? Wait, this is this is ridiculous. I don't think you're ever going to get Oh, this okay. Tell the me answer. the answer. The dish that the two men ordered was albatross. <laughs> they had been stranded many years earlier <laughs> on a desert island. <laughs> when the man tasted albatross, he realized that he had never tasted it before. This meant that the meat he had been given on the island was not albatross, as he had been told. He correctly deduced that he had eaten the flesh of his son, what? who had died when they first reached the island. Oh my god, that's ridiculous. How did you not get that one? Not even Dara would get that. Okay, here, let's, let's do one more and see if it's any less crazy. Okay, a man is lying dead in a field. Next to him, there is an unopened package. There is no other creature in the field. How did he die? Oh, oh, I, I think I know this one. He um, jumped out of a plane and his parachute didn't open, and the unopened package is the parachute that didn't open. Well done. Yep. Yeah. Ten points to Gryffindor. That's like the one where, have you ever heard the one where it's like, Romeo and Juliet are dead, they're lying on the floor, surrounded by water and shattered glass, their room is empty except for a window which is open, like, how did they die? Is this one where they're like goldfish or something? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like a train goes by and knocks the glass bowl off the counter. <laughs> I love riddles like that though. Okay. A man walks into a bar and asks the barman for a glass of water. The barman pulls out a gun and points it at the man. The man says, thank you, and walks out. Um, maybe... <laughs> I have no idea. Are they in the middle of a desert? And they... Oh, I don't know. The man had hiccups. The barman recognized this and drew the gun to give him a shock. It worked. And oh my god! So he no longer needed a glass of water. It's kind of fun to think about that. <laughs> that is fun. Did I tell you um, the way, the only way I can get rid of hiccups? No, how? Is if I have a staring contest with my sister. <laughs> Do you have to like FaceTime her when you have hiccups? <laughs> it's the only way is if I have a staring contest with her and for some reason like she's the only one who like will take it seriously enough to like give me the time I need to have a staring contest to get rid of the hiccups there was like I don't know if I told you this but we were in Hawaii over Christmas and we were going to look at this volcano like we were going on this really beautiful hike and we were at the entrance to go up to see this volcano and I had the hiccups and I was like Mara I need to do a staring contest and she was like okay because like, she's very used to me asking her to do that for me right now. <laughs> and so we were having this staring contest at the base of this volcano in Hawaii, just staring at each other, not saying anything. <laughs> and there was another family beside us. And the mom was talking to her husband and she was like, honey, let's go. Let's go see this volcano. And he was just, I didn't know this, but he was just looking at me and my sister. And he just goes, no, nah, I'm going to see how this pans out. <laughs> That's hilarious. Because we, we were just standing like nose to nose, just staring at each other. Do you know what's weird to think about? That guy or his wife probably to this day, they're like, yeah, this one time we were in Hawaii going to this volcano. And there are these two girls next to us just having a staring contest at the bottom of the volcano. But it really works. I, I um, promise you it works. 
I believe you. I always try to drink water out of the opposite side of the glass. Oh, I try that and I spill it all over myself. I was going to say, usually I make a mess, but sometimes it works too. (laughs) Um, I'm trying to think of what else we should talk about. I feel like there's still just so much in here. So what do you think, what do you think is going to happen? Oh, I think they're eventually going to have to find a way to bridge the civil war that's raging between them. Which is interesting because um, in the play Antigone, it starts with a civil war. And there's two brothers who are leading opposite sides in a civil war, fighting each other. So That's true. That was like a cool mm-hmm. parallel. There's also, um, not to go back to Antigone, but um, whenever she buries her brother in defiance, she's caught by the king and she's buried alive as punishment. Which is like what happens to Darrow when he buries Eo. His uncle buries him alive, Mm -hmm. and then he escapes. And then um, when they go back... Oh, and then in this story, the king changes his mind and tries to rescue Antigone, and they find that she hung herself. And isn't there, like, a ton of other stuff going on? Like, the king's son was engaged to Antigone, Mm -hmm. and then he kills himself when he finds out she hung herself, and so the king kind of, you know, ruins things for himself. Mm -hmm. There's so many parallels between that story, which is... I, I mean, it's cool that he did that. But the Civil War was something that, like, struck me because that's basically what's happening now with the story. But I think that they're going to have to find a way to unite the house. And it's got to happen at some point because there's still 11 other houses and we have to yeah. see them interact with each other and whatnot. And think of all this is going on in this one house. I mean, they're all gold. I'm sure maybe not every single house is having this much issue, but there's got to be, like, you know, top picks at other houses that are just as scary as Titus and stuff, you know? I know. I kind of just want Titus to be taken out. Like, I'm just... Ugh, he's just causing so much... So many problems. Because I feel like he could work okay with... um, What's her name? Antonia? Yeah. I feel like they could reason with her at least. Whereas Titus is just such a brute... It's like, how do you reason with someone like that? How do you get them to, to play on your side? I mean, maybe that'll be part of what we learn is like how he's able to win Titus over. But, oh, and then, because then... No, I think it's going to come down to Cassius and Titus. Although if Titus wins, then when does the Cassius reveal of Julian's real killer thing happen? Yeah. And then, I don't know. I feel like, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of eager for them to resolve this and see what else is out there. To, and what do you think of um, Wolf Boy, Severo, Goblin? What do they call him? The Goblin. goblin. I really like him and I want to know more about him because I like I know. how he, like, kind of refuses to play by the rules. Yeah. You know, like, he doesn't speak like them. He doesn't act like them. Everyone is kind of very refined and speaks this high lingo and he's just crass and says whatever the heck he wants. I feel like he might have been the one who killed the, like, number one seed guy. Oh, Because I feel like everyone must have underestimated him. That's a really good... Oh, that is a really good hypothesis. Because I was curious to see who killed Priam, too. And I I like that um, they didn't intend for him to die in the passage. Because mm-hmm. it kind of means that there's someone within them who is rebelling. And kind of has the upper hand over the... Um, like the authority, and I, I, I really like that. Well, it's also kind of cool that even though, yeah, with so much control, there is, you know, people can still earn their way 
through, even if it's really hard with all the roadblocks. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I feel like he's he's going to be a good character because he thinks for himself and he doesn't seem caught up in all the, like, I don't know, a lot of the goals just seem very full of themselves. He doesn't seem full mm-hmm. of himself and he doesn't seem to really be impressed by anyone else. And I, I like that about him. And he's not worried about honor either. Yeah. He's just, it's kind of doing whatever it takes. But to... he's also not, he doesn't seem especially cruel. You know, it's not right. like he's got no moral compass or anything. I mean, he might not, but it's not, it's not like Titus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. There's something that's like a little bit more, I don't know if down to earth is the right word, but he doesn't have the same arrogance that the others do. Yeah. I also kind of like Roke. Is that his name? The poet guy? Yeah. And I like that. I like that they're kind of pairing up too. Like Roke and Leah have formed kind of an alliance and Quinn and Cassius. Although Severo likes Quinn too. Oh yeah, that's true. <laughs> oh man, I am just the book is a lot darker than I thought it would be. It's it's dark. And I think I'm gonna be sad and happy because I think more people we like are gonna die at some point. Yeah, I know. And even like oh gosh, when like Titus had captured um the girls from series and is just like terrorizing them and how they beat up Cassius. And how they keep cutting off people's ears. Oh, what's up with that? <laughs> Titus has, like, this huge ear collection. And he's even, like, cutting off people's ears from within their own tribe. House. Like, he cut off Quinn's ear, right? Yeah. Uh, he just he just needs to be taken out. Just take yourself out of the game, Titus, and do everyone a favor. <laughs> but he has so many still allies and supporters. I'm curious to see if they can do that without permanently divide. Like, if they can do it and unite the house or not yeah it would be because if he is gone i don't know if his followers would ever listen to yeah if they'd want revenge or if they'd be like okay you're the boss now you know (laughs) i mean you you have to do it right like if it's a if it's a true duel or something and they like agree on the rules and whatever then that would be maybe fine but it doesn't really sound like it's gonna be like that i also i can't believe you know cassius that they what, what did they do they dislocated his fingers they, like, broke his shoulder, and then they all peed on him. They all peed on him, yeah. And I think that what was kind of interesting, too, was, like, that didn't really phase Darrow, but everyone else was so shocked by it because, what does he say? He says something like, no one else had ever seen someone so perfect be so broken. Oh, yeah, like something beautiful. Something so yeah. beautiful be um, damaged like that. And... I don't know, it's kind of, it really throws Darrow's situation against the rest of the gold. Like, there's so many comparisons where you just see how different their their lives are. Like, in their world, someone like Cassius should never have been mutilated because he was beautiful, he's the highest of the golds. Like, in that wor- in their world, that shouldn't happen. But Darrow was also like, the highest in his class. Like, he was a helldiver. He was considered to be very valuable as well. But yeah. for what happened to him, like, nobody really batted an eye when he was hung. Or even, you know, when he was punished. Yeah. That's another thing. I feel like I do wish we had seen more of him being a leader. Like, I knew he was a helldiver and respected for that, but I never really saw him, like, take a leadership role back on Mars, but it sounded like he had that ability. Like, that's what his wife and his uncle, part of what they saw on him, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, I think so. Because, I mean, to do what he did took a lot of... I mean, it, it t- took a lot of skill, 
and dexterity, but also like you have to be very brave. Yeah. And so I think we'll see more of that. But I mean, I'm not surprised. And maybe a little bit stupid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like some recklessness. I, I'm not surprised that we haven't seen him take much of a leader role though, because I think that whole um, position is really new to him because he's still like back home. He was very much valued as a hell diver, but he was still um, submissive. Well, that's what I mean. Like it, that's why it's interesting. I think that's another point where I was trying to say like, I've, like, what did his wife see in him? Because he had a respected position, but he didn't strike me as taking any kind of leadership role, even for what they were doing. If anything, he kind of seemed a little bit rebellious and um, independent. Yeah. Not necessarily, like, follow me-ish. But maybe, um, I think maybe she may have seen how Kieran and her his uncle kind of were a little bit in awe of him, even though maybe they didn't let it let him know it. You know, like, I think that they thought a lot high, they thought very highly of him, but they didn't kind of let him know about it. Yeah. And obviously he's really, really smart. It is. It's also interesting because it sounds like they took Quinn. Sorry, I'm like jumping all over the place. (laughs) But um, I was thinking back to the part where you were saying, you know, they never seen something beautiful destroyed like that. Um, But he said they took Quinn because they thought it was his girl. Mm hmm. Um. And I think it's kind of interesting because now he feels more like a he, I mean, here he already seems like a leader to some extent, even though he hasn't fully embraced it yet. You know, like people are looking to him or people are trying to antagonize him or seeing him as an enemy. Like, but the, yeah, because the fact that they marked him as the one that they wanted to target yeah. already shows that they are thinking of him as the leader. Yeah. yeah. Or even, you know, at the beginning when Cassius is kind of doing the like friendly rivalry or trying, you know, like, mm-hmm. hey, race you to the table. Mm-hmm. Like, with all the people there, like, something... I don't know if it's just he had really good test scores and they don't really know him or what, but he's our, like he stood out right away, I feel like. I agree. But, I mean, also, like, they... Um, Dancer and Mickey, like, built him that way. You know, they purposely made That's him true. superior and, like, they wanted to make him into a god. So, I think physically he's there. It's just, I think, mentally, like, internally he needs to catch up. And That's realize fair. that yeah. he can be the leader they want him to be. Oh, and I can't wait to see that happen. I, I, so I'm going to the beach today because it is 90 degrees in Chicago. And I'm probably going to read the rest of the book. Nice. So we should talk tomorrow. No, <laughs> oh, I'm really excited about this book. And I'm, I can't wait to see what happens. Yeah. It's also kind of cool because of the way he was introduced to society and kind of caught up on, oh, you were lied to and here's what actually happened for the last 700 years that we got kind of a quick history lesson too that didn't feel too like forced in the beginning yeah yeah and and what a shock to like believe that you are mining helium to prepare mars's surface for the colonists and then to finally get to the surface and see a whole city like yeah i think yeah i think you're right when you said like his experience is mirroring ours because i'm trying so hard to keep up with everything that's going on but it's really exciting but it is overwhelming and I'm sure like yeah he feels exactly the same way where it's just everything is so new and it's and he's just trying to like play this role and do it well but it's just so different from what he's been used to yeah and even you know he he's had one slip up so far that no one caught him on where he said you instead of us or something oh yeah I wonder like what the ne- or and he also said like a swear word or something that was that a they red didn't word. Realize. Yeah. Yeah. And then Cassius was like, Oh yeah, I used to have a nurse who was a high red 
And she only talked about the veil and blah, blah, blah. But mom says, like, that was kind of interesting. His parents were To hear what his mom, yeah. Yeah, and how his mom respected the Reds and said, you know, you have, you can learn something from everyone. I wonder if more of the, of the golds are like that and would join the cause if given the chance. Like, I wonder, oh, I hope that, I hope that, um, like, when it finally comes out and the rebellion starts, I hope Cassius sides with Darrow. Oh, I don't know if he will, though. If he finds out he killed his brother. Well, I think it'll be, I hope if he sides with him that he's already found out he's the brother, because it'll be bad if they're already, like, like I said, I just want them to find out sooner and then to, like, work through it. Because <laughs> the more that's invested, the more they have to lose when he figures it out. I know. And it, and it's so hard because, like, he was he was part of the passage, too. Like, he knew what the stakes were. I mean, yeah, I would still be furious if some, you know, if I were him. But at the same time, like, he was in the exact same situation, too. And I did like how Daryl was like, I know that I have to kill him, but it's it still feels like it's a choice that I made. You know, like, he doesn't, yeah. he still feels very guilty. Well, it was also so sad slash hard when they were talking to each other beforehand. Where, you know... Julian was like, please, I need this. You can, you'll be fine. I need this. And he was like, no, I actually do need this. I know. Uh, but it, it also, it wasn't like if one of them had decided, okay, you can have, like, they'd still have to die. It wasn't like only one of you gets to go on. Some Like, they, there wasn't an option to just, like, give, give up and turn right. around and have someone leave. Like, someone's still to die. Yeah, that's a brutal test. But you're right. And it's also interesting because now that we see what's going on in the gold society, like, after these games or whatever are done so many people will have done things to each other in these games if these are all the leaders of the gold how is that like how does that work there might be a lot of oh like resentment shaky relationships among all the golds even if they're not thinking about the reds and all of that like there might be a lot of like unhappiness with you know who's actually in charge in the gold i'm world. surprised there isn't more honestly maybe maybe, maybe there isn't we just haven't seen it yet we'll find out um, okay, so I have a joke for you that oh, yeah. is related to space. Okay. Um, so here's my joke. I'm reading a book about anti-gravity. It's impossible to put down. <laughs> <laughs> At first, when you started talking, I thought you were still, like, introducing what, like, oh, oh. So I've been reading this book, and I was going to be like, what book is it? <laughs> You're reading another book besides Red Rising? Are you cheating on me? I who I was talking to the other day, they were like, have you been reading a lot recently? And I was like, I feel like I have, but it's been, I haven't read anything except our books, I feel like, at the same time, so. Oh, I've been reading some other books. I'm sorry. I like to read around. No, I usually do too. I'm reading the, I'm reading the, um, the King Killer Chronicles right now. I just finished the first one. I've been reading like nonfiction stuff. So not like, I've, this is the only story I've been reading, if that makes sense. I've been reading about like finance, introduction of finance for new managers and things like that. Oh, that sounds terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a nerd. <laughs> All right. Well, let's finish. Is there anything else we have to? Nope. Nope. Finish book one for next week. Bye, bookworms. Go get a library card.
M&K Talk YA is produced and edited by Marissa Snyder and Katie Bradford. Original music composition by Timothy Milkey. Logo design by Marissa Snyder. For updates and extras, visit mnktalkya.com or follow us on Instagram and Facebook. And if you haven't already, please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. We would like to thank James Tobias, Chad Snyder, Meredith Kelfie, and Michael Howard for all of their support. Thanks for listening, and see you next time.